Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. Cameron, it feels like we did this like three days ago. So weird, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. On the line with me, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Man, how you doing? You know, man, I'm, I'm good. Spring is finally here. We had such a delayed winter. Out biking, enjoying the weather, patio time. There's just nothing better. So we do need to talk about bicycles at some point because my son is now of the age where he needs to go uh, bicycling places in the summertime. Mm-hmm. I need to have a bicycle as well, though I didn't realize that there would be so many options whenever I look on the Facebook marketplace. Um, my coworker says I need a, quote, hybrid. And I, I, uh, I mean, I, If I look at you, Curtis, e-bike all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Why not just a hoverboard, right? There's a dude in my <laughs> True, neighborhood right? yeah. that walks his dog on a one-wheeled skateboard hoverboard thing. I love it, the, yeah. The dog seems like it's having the worst time of its entire <laughs> life. But, you know, it's fine. Anyway, so, dude, we've got uh, a lot of magic to talk about this week. Um, and a few announcements. That's kind of fulfilling the news portion. Um, I see here from the show notes... That you've you've not gone from dipping your toe into now you're wading in that water that mm, explorer mm-hmm. water. How is it? It's good, man. Uh, the blue white control list I think is one of like for me, it's the best deck that I want to be playing. Um, so mm. there's really, I mean, nothing new for me to say about blue white control. Um, I'm still floating between like a Yorian deck and a. Uh, can never remember the the elk that it doesn't allow you to have any other creatures in the the battlefield right just an extra card essentially yeah um which is fine um but i've been trying to brew some things uh some of my you know the greatest hits of what i would call the explorer era um and so i've been trying the young pyromancer sedgemore witch combo thing and just trying to because, I mean, I had really good success with Historic, um, you know, last year using both of those cards. And so uh, I'm just trying something just to see what new cards, um, specifically from New Kapina and um, and Kamigawa, fit. And I don't know if there's a lot, but it's still an interesting, I don't know, brew. Um, once again, I, I think the pairings, the way things just work... Because I have kind of like a suboptimal non-tier <laughs> list, I get paired against Merfolk. I get paired against like mono blue. And you know what? I'm winning because those are like awful decks <laughs> Yeah. compared to like what I'm doing. You know, like I'm able to steal one of the creatures, sacrifice it, and then draw two cards. You know, I mean, we're getting value town across the board on top of like all the other creatures that I'm generating from tokens. Um, so I don't I like this deck I think is probably hot garbage against any of the control variants, um, any of the actual good mid range decks out there. Um, but there is something here. I think it just, it needs a better deck builder than me to, uh, to figure it out. So, um, with Explore, so I've, I've been playing quite a few different things. I would say the blue-white control deck, so I've been playing Yorian, and again, put on your tinfoil hat for the pairing thing. 
I played against like four Yorian mirrors in a row or something this morning. Like you get in those moments where you're just like, um, I'm playing against the same deck a lot. Mm-hmm. I would say, so now that Winota is officially out of the format, you're kind of incentivized to do something with control. So, um, or I, I should say, you're kind of incentivized to do some of these other, I would say, quasi-combo thingies, like Fires, Omnath, uh, uh, Ultimatum, uh, mm-hmm. which one was it? Genesis Ultimatum? No, Emergent Ultimatum. The one that you could get the all runs Epiphany. Like, there's that kind of stuff. Of course there's still aggro, and aggro's still fine. I got, I mean, my face caved in multiple times by a werewolf tribal aggro deck, which hmm. was quite good against the variant of blue-white control that I was playing because I was used to playing against Winota, right? And mm-hmm. Winota, essentially, you need instant speed ability to shut things down, but you can kind of take hits from the prosperous innkeepers and the land elves and this kind of thing. That's not the case with werewolves. Uh, one of those things can kill you quite quickly, so it's much more about hitting a certain quantity of sweepers, which Yorian decks tend to be kind of bad at just by virtue of the numbers, right? So I, I would say Explorers going through a very real shift, um, and Winona being pulled out of the format, I think, is a lot of, a lot of other things to come um, to the middle. And... You're, I mean, I would assume the deck you're talking about that you're playing is, is a Thoughtseize deck, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, turn one all the time. Yeah, so I kind of just put that all in one Thoughtseize deck category. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've noticed about that deck is it's gotten better against blue-white because it's gotten more Planeswalker-centric. Mm. Um, plays Chandra, sometimes four-mana Sorin. Um, and, I mean, four-mana Chandra. Or, and, again, I'm talking about the, the meta build of Black-Red, not yeah, necessarily yeah, yours. Yeah. Um, and that's really good against the control decks. Like, because they've been leaning so hard on Farewell combined with Doomscar. And Planeswalkers, you have... You, you hope to hit a Shark Typhoon or you've got Faithful Absence, right? So there's just not a lot there. Um, believe it or not, I think Otherworldly Light's gotten a lot worse. Um, it's still a great <laughs> card and you mm-hmm. should play it in control. But there's just less and less need to use it. And, like, the two for one in yourself element of it, which came up on occasion before is very rarely worth it. Now. I mean, the thing that I found myself hitting the most with it was fires of invention. And usually they've already gotten something on the stack. So, um, but I've been playing, I've been playing the fires of invention deck, um, with Yorian just to mess around with it. And I mean, I, you have to explain to me what we were thinking with this Kiki Jiki saga. Like, oh, dude, that card is busted. Like that, that is the first card in a while that I didn't process everything for it. Like, I mean, gosh, I crafted four of them, like right when Kamigawa happened because I wanted to play blue red and they were a lot of people were saying that, but I didn't like process the ins and outs of how good that card was until I actually started playing with it. And then it was just like, geez, this thing is. (laughs) And it's silly in an Agent of Treachery deck, like you might imagine. Of course, uh, yeah. So, um, I would say explore... I mean, there's a lot of room to mess around with right now. It's very unsettled. I think with Control, things like Absorb have gotten a lot worse. Things like Otherworldly Light have gotten a lot worse. But things that are 
the planar cleansing variety of things are probably a lot better. Farewell is also still very, very good in the format, even though it doesn't hit Planeswalkers. Um, have you been playing much of anything else? Just screwing around with this, uh, no, this brew? I, yeah, yeah, and just playing a lot of Explorer. I need to actually get back into Standard because it does seem interesting. Like, there's, there's a lot happening right now, and it's completely different than it was a month ago, which is awesome. So, I I mean, what? how long ago was it I said I wouldn't put any money into Arena? I broke that promise. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I feel like because of Explorer, I can feel like, okay, they've at least kind of met me in the middle to some extent, so I'm sure. fine. But when we were just standard alchemy and historic alchemy, it was like, uh, if I buy these standard cards, what am I getting out of this? Mm-hmm. Um and so, dropped in 50 bucks. I have three, uh, I would probably say four or fifths. I, the most current build of Esper midrange, I'm like three lands short, four lands short. So, I put in different duels. So, I'm not running the fully optimized list because when I sat down to do it, it was like 16 rares and like seven mythics that I had to generate to like... <laughs> and... You don't get anywhere near that uh, whenever you put in 50 bucks. So uh, it, it required some serious maneuvering on my part to kind of get that all. But it is it is by far and away the most sta- expensive standard deck for some time. I want to say it's like, yeah, it's like five or $600 <laughs> in paper, okay? Uh, I don't know that there's an uncommon in the main deck. I think they're all rares and mythics. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> I guess I guess there is a planes, so there's that. Uh, but you get it right. It is a yeah. very 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 rare heavy um, deck here. I, I'll I'll link you in the chat here, Cameron, because I did not. Yeah, link I was it looking in the for th- it, but yeah. Um. Anyway, standard is pretty cool right now. I think you can feel comfortable buying in. I think the skill ceiling is. Much higher than it's been in a while. There's a lot of sequencing, specifically with this deck, but also even something like uh, Naya Runes, which is, I think, probably the deck that's the most um, out of hand. Like, when it goes off, it really goes off. Um, There is still a lot of sequencing, and it kind of reminds me of uh, Legacy Enchantress, not so much like the old... uh, I don't know if you remember um, the... um, What's the Greek theme set, Cameron? Oh my gosh, Theros. There we Theros, go. thank you. The Theros set. Man, people that listen to us must just love how we don't even know sets, we don't know cards. Space cadets, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Greek one. Um, the, the ancient Greece theme set, Theros, had a version called Hexproof or Constellation or whatever, and you would pump up individual guys, right? Mm-hmm. And Nine Enchantments on its surface looks like that, but it's really not that. It's way more like... Legacy Enchantress, where you are stacking up lots of stuff all at once, and the sequencing does matter. Um, and even something like that, there's the Rakdos deck where you have all these like sacrifice effects, and you're trying to generate different tokens to sacrifice to your anvil and all this stuff. And I mean, we could go on and on. The Jun deck has Obnixilis, which you can create multiple copies of Obnixilis, and you have to like you know, determine what's the correct count. So my point being here is there is a lot of text on these cards and there's a lot to think through, which is good because we're not getting a standard set in June. I don't Mm. know if you know this, 
but we're not getting another standard set for like three, four months. So this is the standard we this get. Is it? <laughs> um, and so because of that complexity and me buying into this recently, I mean, the last two days has been me getting my head kicked in with mm-hmm. what's presumably the second best deck. But there's so many nuanced uh, uh, interactions with Esper Midrange specifically um, that I have to learn and I'm still learning. But it is nice to have that standard depth where, yeah, there's like uh, there's some really cool, like bizarre interactions, things like uh, Tenacious Underdog with Kaito Shizuki and like how you you blitz the Tenacious Underdog. And then you plus Taiko Shizuki afterwards, and that actually nets you two cards on the turn because you blitzed it. Like, there's all these, like, really random little things, edges to game. And you feel like knowing the deck better results in a better experience. Um, I don't... I like the Esper midrange deck, but I think there's some construction problems. You know, this is me, Mr. Monday Morning Quarterback, Backseat Driver... <laughs> I Cameron, someone has to explain this to me. Why I'm being asked all these builds lean so hard on Meat Hook Massacre. Presumably the worst matchup is Nye Enchantments. Meat Hook Massacre does nothing against Giddily. that deck. Yeah. Nothing. And so, I mean, I haven't like gone to the stage where I'm tuning, but it's like step one is I want farewells in this deck. Like I'd basically I'm just staring at meat hook massacres. That's been the experience of me playing this deck is there are so many things that don't do it right. Mm -hmm. That I don't, um, but ostensibly this is, I mean, it's Esper mid range, but it's really Esper walkers. You have Shizuki, you have the wandering emperor. Those are really the engines that drive the deck. And when things go well, you're really killing them. Legion angel leads to some very lopsided victories. If you kind of start cycling those really quickly and Mm -hmm. get them all, play after play after play but the the meat hook massacre and wedding announcement those cards have been by far and away excuse me the most underwhelming elements of this deck interesting Um, and i get it like yes when you're against mono red meat hook massacre is great i'm not playing that matchup i'm playing the esper mirror i'm playing against some variation of obnix list you know, whether that's Jund or whatever. And then I'm playing against nine enchantments and against two of those three, it's, it's worthless. And then mono green, it's also completely laughable. Like you just don't get anything out of it. Now, granted with mono green, you might not last long enough for a farewell either. Um, but anyway, it's just been a really interesting thing to like play this deck, see the really cool interactions that people built into it and been like, this deck does not feel finished even a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so maybe that's just me being an old control head and wanting it to play like control. But the deck is noticeably... Like, I, I think I talked about this a few days ago. I found the blue-red deck to be just a dumpster fire launched into a volcano. Like, just yeah. so bad. Um, what do you think you're going to play in standard, dude? Uh, I'm leaning towards that Esper control list um, just because I have a number of the cards. And, I mean, I like Lolf, Wandering Emperor... And yeah, and I think like you're saying, like there's some room for innovation maybe with the Mihook Massacre and trying to find other RAS um, to put in its place. But that's that's really where I'm at right now. 
Yeah, I would also say I've played against some really cool decks that are not represented on here that feel really thought out. So I think there's a lot of room to brew. I played against a um, landfall deck. I know you're like, okay. wait, Zendikar is still legal in this? And it's like, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but it was like a Bant, Felidar Retreat, Skewt, the Skewt Mob variant. Oh my gosh. And wow. and it was all kinds of like, and, and it was great. Like they totally out out resource me and I could I you know there is there is a certain class of deck that is the Jasper Sentinel Sentinel uh the the red is a Magda the red dwarf that whenever you tap it you mm. generate a treasure. Um and I I am here for the treasure thing is kind of needing to stop because sometimes mm. you get you feel so far behind. Yeah. But I've also played against really good mono black decks. Um nice. And so th those things are out there. You don't have to go out and drop 600 bucks on the top tier or whatever. Um, because this, I, think, I think this is also an indication. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping around on thoughts. I do think the prices that you're seeing on tabletop is an indication that standard is slowly heading back in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, remember when we were looking at standard prices, what, three or four months ago, all the decks were 150, you 150 know, 120. Most. Yeah, very yeah. terrible ones. And now just a goldfish, it's like everything is 200 plus and there's multiples that are over $400. Yeah. So, um, which again, maybe you're hearing that and going, oh no. <laughs> I guess, you know, <laughs> I, I know it might be a good or a bad thing, but it, at least as an indicator of health, it's in a good place. Um, last thing I'll say, I would not be surprised if we have a discussion about Nye Enchantments. Um, I, again... I think that deck is a fun a fun vacuum. Um, and when it goes, you are not only are you losing horribly, but you're sitting there for quite a while. Um, so something we're thinking about keeping your eye on. Again, I don't think it's going to be as desperate or dire, dire as mm -hmm. Winota. I think other decks can adapt. Um, but yeah. B by the way, I don't know... you. You're like the same person who's staying off of Twitter more and more lately these days. But there were a group of people that were upset that Winota was banned because they just crafted some. And Cameron, come I mean, on. do we need to put a Surgeon General's warning on these things? Uh, yeah, like, come on, man. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Explicit warning. Yeah. Uh, hey, you see how you're winning all these games for free? That's probably going to come to an end. Maybe it's just we've been around so long that you kind of get the spidey sense like, Oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we've also been in, like, you know, where, like, there's still head scratchers out there. So, you know, pour one out for uh, whatever dinosaur that was. Uh, the Velociraptor. Um, yeah. All right, Cameron. So, oh, man. So there is a lot to talk about here. Uh, I've sent you the link on announcement day. Um. The products just keep coming. Now, I know some of these are not for me, uh, but it's just kind of stunning to think about. Like when we started this show, there were like four sets a year, and then they would do a <laughs> they would do like a from the vault. Remember those? Mm -hmm. It was like a secret layer, but you could only get it through your shop. Well, now we're at the other end of that experience. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and I was texting you about this. I kind of resent these sets that are that are named by 
like what the product is at a marketing level, not the name anymore, right? Like, because Dominaria United, that's telling me something about the actual experience and the lore and all that stuff. And I'm not a lore head, clearly. Mm-hmm. But when I get double masters and hold on, let me get the what's the jumpstart one? Uh, Alchemy Horizons, <laughs> Baldur's Gate. <laughs> A sentence that makes no logical sense yeah. is literally derived entirely from a marketing perspective. We want you to know that it's alchemy legal. We want you to know that it's a, a surplus set, so it's a horizon, right? And rub me the wrong way. There is some good news here. I want to get through that, but like, I guess we could just start with, I mean, who cares about Warhammer? That's a commander product, and I don't mm-hmm. know anything about Warhammer besides StarCraft brutally ripped it off, and here we are. Um, there's another round of Double Masters coming in July, and now for premium sets, there's going to be different kinds of booster booster packages. <laughs> so there is a collector's booster... And a draft booster. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, I'm still exhausted from the last product dump that they did last year. Um, and, I mean, I know, like, this is the way they make money. Like, I get it. But it's also just, like, this is the sort of feel- thing that makes it feel like two steps forward, one step back, right? We We right some wrongs. We get, like this explorer set and it's like okay maybe we're going to be on track as far as like quality of the game <laughs> and then they do these dumps and dude just exhausting it's exhausting yeah and i just don't have any interest in modern legacy commander and so these sets have become less and less interesting because i mean yes i've always been a quite a critic of modern but I do feel like they've kind of poisoned the well with some of these releases. And like something like Rin and Six really bothers me because it just feels like artificially created. Like I don't have a memory of that card in standard. And so it just is like a thing that you artificially put in non-rotating formats and just not really a me thing. And I mean, I didn't buy any last double masters. I'm not going to buy any of this. I, the booster thing is just ridiculous to me. I don't understand why that's such a good thing. And again, we're just constantly chasing this collector's market. Um, and you kind of wonder where a point is too far. because We crossed that long ago. <laughs> well, but you also, like, first of all, there's there's product saturation where you've pushed guys like me away. But I would also say that, like, because you have to develop these things with such lead time, they're not going to know that they've pushed too hard too far until they're way past, mm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I. granted, you know, hey, you want to go whale hunting, fine. Hope it works out for you and I get to play tournament magic. Um, good news. Dominaria United. We're going back. Okay. There's, there's going to be a couple of Dominaria sets. There's a, uh, There's Brothers War after that, right? So that's September and uh, November. So that's Urza and Mishra. Um, and we're going to get some sweet old magic lore, which I'm pretty down for. 
Um, every set... Sorry, now we're back to the negative. Every set is going to get a jump start, which... The physical game I've heard... I've actually heard good things about, because it's like meant to be you get two packs, and you shuffle them together, and then you have a mm-hmm. limited deck. D- your shop is so much more active than mine when it comes to this stuff. Did did you ever go to any of the jumpstart stuff? I, I didn't. I know they existed. I just didn't get a chance to go to them. So I don't even know how successful they were. And honestly, I forgot <laughs> that they existed. You're going to be our man in the field, Cameron. Got it. You're going to be reporting directly from the proverbial hurricane. Okay. Mm, mm-hmm. Um. Other good news. Store championships are back, and have you seen the freaking promos that they're giving away for this? Pretty good. Yeah. This is a way to juice standard. This is a way to get people intrigued to play these sets. Granted, Archmage's Charm, totally uh, invented (laughs) card again that Uh doesn't feel like it had any anchoring in standard whatsoever. Uh, Flame Slash, hey man, that brings me back to Rise of the Eldrazi Limited, or, or Limited, I'm down. But um, I'm going to try and do this. Yeah. Play in my store's championship in July, get all focused up for it, and play, I would assume it's going to be modern, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but, dude, come on, right? Like, look at yeah, this. Look yeah. at this Dark Confidant. You, you get that Dark Confidant, sell it that day. And then you can buy yourself like probably two standard decks. It's great. <laughs> oh yeah, I, it does make me wonder what that that Bob is going to go for. There's also a Soul Ring. It's the the purchase if you purchase fifty bucks. I know Soul Ring is almost entirely a Cuban Commander card at this point, but yeah. it is an old border artifact, so I am required by law to give it a big thumbs <laughs> <Yeah>. up. Um, <laughs> Anyway, dude, so any other thoughts on these announcements as we have blown through them? I mean, this really feels like it's 50-50. I I go through highs and lows looking at this announcement where it's like, that's awesome. Don't need it. That's awesome. Please stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, we'll see how this stuff all goes. I mean, I'll probably have to go to the Double Masters because there are no other standard sets this whole time. So... Um, got to come up with something to play, but anyway, Cameron, let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about what we've been up to. All right, Cameron. So I have got to hear about, I mean, why am I looking at Google Stadia on this show note list? Like (laughs) what possible confluence of events could have occurred for this to be expressed on this show so i go to a uh what we have like these uh this used bookstore called half price books and they sell lots of different media right um you know so you can buy vinyl there dvds blu-rays books of course um and i went there yesterday and sitting on the shelf was a 15 dollars google stadia and i thought to myself 15 dollars, huh i think i can afford this just as a thought experiment just to see what is it like? And Curtis, there's so many other things you could spend $15 on. Um, namely, like a month of Xbox Game Pass, and you're a better person for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
I mean, like the menu sis I, I don't even know where to begin with Stadia. It is the thing that I think lasted about six months was kind of let, let's be honest, a failure, like from launch. Mm-hmm. Um and in classic Google fashion, they they release something. It sounds intriguing. So many of their, there's a lot of their products, a lot of like their digital things that they've developed over the 20 years that they've been around where it's like, sometimes it's a wild success and it's amazing, like Gmail. And sometimes, you know, it's the the social media thing that they try to create to compete with Facebook, right? I mean, like they they are all over the place as far as like what they're putting out there. Uh, Stadia falls into the category of their social media thing. It's just not that good. Um, I mean, yes, you get access to a ton of games and you can just instantly start playing them. That's cool. In theory, the problem is, is like, and I think you, you and I were talking about this earlier. There's no, unless it's a point and click adventure game, I think the latency is still just a like PlayStation is the same way. Like, I just don't think it's, it's there yet. And maybe it never will be. Um, I mean, like, if you go onto the Stadia's game page, there's tons of games. But seriously, if if, if you bought the Stadia with the express purpose to play Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, <laughs> you were in for a rude... Like, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, super hot. Like, these games are, like, pinpoint accurate, super fast, twitchy games. I just don't know what you're thinking, you know? So, like, something... Like Disco Elysium, sure, you could totally play that and stream it and have a great time. Um, but there's uh, so many other games. I think even like Assassin's Creed, which is the input lag is, you know, kind of negligible in some ways. Even that, like a little bit more lag than what you'd normally be experiencing on a PlayStation or a connected PC. Um, just not the same. So anyway, the Stadia, $15.00. I'm playing it just to play a couple of games that exist on the Stadia that I've been kind of curious about. Specifically, uh, Q Games, uh, which has developed, I mean, some of the best PlayStation 3 downloadables uh, that I can ever remember, like the Pixel Junk series, essentially. So P- Pixel mm-hmm. Junk Eden, Pixel Junk Monsters, Shooter. There's all these like great, like really kind of stripped down, great gameplay mechanics sort of games. Um, they have Pixel Junk Raiders, which I saw announced last year, and I've been super curious. It's just haven't been able to play it because it's on the Stadia. So I'm checking that out. Uh, it's like an action rogue pl- like hack and slash sort of game. Um, I'm only maybe about 15, 20 minutes in it. It plays fine on the Stadia. There is some lag here and there, but um, it's a cool game, and I cannot wait for it to actually end up on the Xbox Game Pass when when Google sells this game to Microsoft. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I should say this because I I find the comparisons a little bit difficult to endure sometimes when people are like, well, if you're fine with streaming videos, why aren't you str- fine with streaming video games? And it's like, well, the problem is, or music, the problem is, is there is very little, if any, quality difference. Now, I know somebody's going to be like a vinyl head and... They're gonna mm-hmm. say no, man. If you if you have on nine hundred dollar headphones, you can hear the difference between a streamed and from the. I, I get all that, mm-hmm. but for the average day to day use, like the gap in what is streamed and what is the physical media, is nowhere near as bad as it is in video games. 
right? And they, mm-hmm. I, they have shipped or they have sold us on that's going to get fixed for like eight years, and it just hasn't. It just nope. hasn't. And the the other thing I would say is, unlike so like iTunes, if I buy a song on iTunes, I'm pretty confident I'm going to have access to that until you know like the heat death of the universe. So like. Whereas these game companies have basically shown no compunction at all about pulling games from online stuff, like a handful of years after the games have come out, right? Or said, hey, you know, we're not going to support that with any kind of compatibility. We're not like, and and companies that used to, like Sony used to build their brand on backwards compatibility, right? Mm -hmm. And then leadership changed and that changed. And you know, we could go on and on about this, but point being is games, if you really care about a game, download it or buy it physically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And even if you're downloading it, I think that should be I really I really have concerns about downloading things. And look, I own downloadable games through Switch and through uh the Nintendo Switch and the Sony PlayStation Five and Four. I have real concerns about those. Because those oh, companies yeah. have just not shown any Whereas at least like, you know, Valve, like I could pop on my Steam account and still see games that I bought 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, or maybe 15. I guess I don't remember how that timeline works. I don't remember works, when but, Steam <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You get it, right? Like, and there's just like, especially Nintendo, like, I don't know how many Wii U and Wii games I, I brought, bought on their thing and they just got done killing a bunch of that, right? So mm-hmm. um, anyway, sorry, tangent aside, be careful. And, yeah, and, yeah. and like the idea that like when people are like, oh, well, I don't want to go back. It's like it shouldn't be whether you want to or not. You have the right to like can you imagine buying a book and then like Orbit Books walking into your office and slapping it out of your hands and going, no, we don't support that book anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Just one more to your point about this. It, it's kind of it's dawning on me that I'm going to own this piece of plastic uh, that allows me to play the Stadia games, which is Kind of like just a service that two years from now probably won't even exist, right? Mm-hmm. So I could buy an Atari Jaguar, and if I have the games, I can still play the Atari Jaguar, right? It might have been an epic failure, but I still have that system and I can play it. This is such a weird thing where it's like you, you're essentially buying the service through the controller and the Chromecast or whatever, but that's it. And it's just so weird that there's this thing that exists that is just a service, even though they were marketing it as a video game system. It's not, right? Yeah. It's super interesting, um, that world we live in, where you won't be able to revisit the system 15 years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've just done a bad job of backing up. Sorry, this is a, like a big tangent thing for me, and I'm just a big <laughs> believer in like, you need, like with video game purchases... Because, like, I've done the math, and I've seen how much of my money is stranded on a PS3. Because I was mainstay PlayStation 3 gamer. I bought a ton of downloadables, and I can't touch them unless I have that system. And at some point, they're going to flip the switch off on that, yep. too. Um, one quick thing I want to mention, and I think people that might not be around comic books might not be aware, is the um, death of George Perez. So I just wanted to bring this up because uh, he... M- slightly predates my real engagement with comic books. A lot of his best work was in the 80s. And yes, I was buying comics like as a very little boy, but I wasn't like super aware of creators and things like that. It was just me 
going to the local, I know I sound so old, going to the drugstore and the local drugstore and there'd be like whatever comics were there is what I would pick up. The lady behind the counter, this is a true story. This is so small town Missouri. The lady that worked there, uh, she was my Sunday school teacher and she knew that I wanted comic books. So what they used to have to do is rip the covers off and send the covers in if a book didn't sell. Well, she would rip the cover off and I would get the coverless comic book instead of it going in the trash. Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, so and I don't even know what happened to those coverless ones. I think at some point a youthful Curtis was like, I don't need these anymore. They don't have covers. Yeah. Um, but George Perez is probably, I would say, kind of fits in this category of like tragically has a massive amount of influence on the superhero media that comes out now and probably is nowhere nearly as well compensated as he should have been for it. Or nearly as well recognized as he is. I mean, basically, it's just mm-hmm. Stan Lee that's recognized for any of this stuff. But, like, before I get into individual contributions, if you just look at George Perez writ large, Wonder Woman, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and the Infinity Gauntlet Saga, like, that is so much superhero media that has come out in the last five years. And this dude, by all accounts in his obituaries, got carpal tunnel. He was so focused on the details and making these panels wow. perfect. And deserves to be well off, incredibly wealthy for all these contributions that he's made. But, you know, instead they're going to other places. So tragic uh, in that he also passed away in his 60s, um, far too Mm. early. Um, But what George Perez is known for, if you don't know anything about comics, is these incredibly hyper-detailed, very busy, um, and busy sounds bad, but like, Lots of characters. So he did a lot of like team stuff. Um, and the panels were so soaked in just detail and thought that you could see the effort like that clearly went into every moment and every panel. And um, I actually just ordered his Wonder Woman arc, which I'd never read, um, hmm. from my local library. And I'm really excited to dig into it. But um, never touched that. But like... Aside from all these like major art contributions and like the way that we think of Avengers and um, uh, Infinity Gauntlet, the covers that this guy produced, Cameron, mm-hmm. like some of the most iconic stuff. Even if you know nothing about comics, the Crisis on Infinite Earth, where Superman is holding Supergirl and he's like screaming, right? Or I would argue probably one of the three most important comic covers ever is the Infinity Gauntlet with Thanos and like. Basically, mm-hmm. the reflections cut different ways, and inside those reflections, you see the different things. So, a- awesome composition, but also great storytelling. There's like, if you've never read the original Infinity Gauntlet, there's some really cool moments that didn't actually translate. My one of my favorite Captain America moments is from that storyline where he's the one who stands up to Thanos. Uh, it's not Iron Man, mm-hmm. you know. Still, I'm a little chafed about that, still, Cameron, but that's okay. Um, awesome stuff. I- I'm beginning to realize uh, as a kid, my like uncle who was kind of like in his teens in the 80s. So he was like the youngest of my uncles or whatever. um, Huge comic book reader had a ton of Teen Titans and gave them to me as like a little kid in the 90s, early 90s. Uh, And so I'm just realizing that like that run of George Perez and Teen Titans like Man, that's like a huge callback to me, and I'm now realizing that how influential 
he left a mark on me, you know, just through Teen Titans, which is incredible. Yeah, and also, I believe the week before Neil Adams passed away, who is also at a massively important comic book creator. Um, I, I mean, so important he made Green Arrow cool. Uh, but also, <laughs> it's not an easy task. Yeah. Let's just put that out there. But also, like, brought a lot of the way you think of Batman, like, Neil Adams drew the original original Ray Ra's al Ghul story. Um, like, a lot of the stuff from Batman the Animated Series, that was Neil Adams' era. And again, this is all just, like, slightly before you're in my time. So it's just, like, mm -hmm. I saw the guys that followed these guys up. Like, Teen Titans, the, the arc you're specifically describing, never came back from that, right? Like, mm -hmm. it was... Now it's, like, a really good kids show. But yeah. The, yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a legitimate competitor to... The X-Men, you know? Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I realize there are people, some people so young. X-Men used to be the most important comic book published every month. <laughs> I know. The number one best-selling, the one that everybody knew, the one that everybody followed, X-Men. Yeah. Uncanny yeah. X-Men. So, this is... It's hard to imagine. It's no, hard to imagine. I just, I just remember like being handed an Iron Man comic. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, <laughs> Iron Man was the Y wing of comic book heroes back in the nineties. <laughs> well, he was kind of this alcoholic jerk. Yeah, you know. And uh, if you were to tell me a that p kids would know who Iron Man is, but also exactly, he would be the yeah. one that jump starts the basic entire like takeover. Of this, uh, of Marvel into the popular consciousness, I would have been like, "Are you what?" Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> um, but anyway, have you seen Doctor Strange? By the way, no. Uh, we're going tonight. We're going tonight. So, so you and I have to have some talk, uh, some time to talk about that later on. Yeah. So, anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to uh, get a hold of you post Doctor Strange and talk to you about all the ins and outs of the multiverse, where could they find you? It's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We will check you guys next week.